Well, church, it is time for a word from the Lord. I am excited. If you're ready for a word, why don't you type in the comment section, I'm ready. Type in the comment section, I'm ready. And I believe that what we're gonna talk about is so important. I was telling a group of people recently that at our church, we're not gonna be able to talk about every single thing, but there's some things that we're gonna throw gas on. And one of the things we're gonna throw gas on is people finding their purpose. As we always say, our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. And even though that might be language that was written and pinned and coined decades ago, I believe that there is a principle within that that is so important that we must find out what God desires for us to do to truly flourish, to truly be all that God has called for us to be. And so we're gonna talk about purpose today, but before we get into that, why don't you lift up your hands? Because I really do believe our hearts need to be prepared to receive this, because I think this is gonna be a paradigm shift for so many of you who are watching. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you come down and soften our hearts? Would you touch us? Would you wrap us up in your arms? Would you administer your presence to us, calm our souls, open up our ears so that we can hear the seeds that are planted deep in the soils of our souls so that we can bear much fruit, God, that we can hear your voice. We need to hear you today as we talk about what you have called for us to do. God, I speak against anything that the enemy would desire to do to distract us or to deter us from what you have called us to do, which is the most important thing. And I pray that we have liberated people, free people who are able to walk in everything that God has called for them to do. Every single thing, no matter how scary it may be, no matter how overwhelming it may feel, no matter how unworthy they may think they are, the devil is a liar. You have a purpose, you have potential, you have power. Walk in everything God has called for you to do. So God, right now, would you, as we open up your word, speak to us. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we are going to be in Exodus chapter four. Exodus chapter four. And while you're flipping or clicking there, I want to tell you about someone who I think is one of the most unsung heroes. You know, I'm always trying to introduce you to some of the unsung heroes in black history. And one of the people who I think doesn't get his just due is a man by the name of Benjamin Elijah Mays. Benjamin E. Mays, as he is often referred to, was a preacher. One of the most consequential figures of the civil rights movement, particularly because he was the intellectual backing, he was the spiritual foundation and base for some of the top names in the civil rights movement, or as people have called it, the freedom struggle. People like Julian Bond, Maynard Jackson, and of course, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as well. I believe it was Dr. Mays who preached King's eulogy after he was killed. And Dr. Mays once said something, and when I came across this quote, I'm gonna be honest, it transformed and changed my life. I want to read this quote to you and I want you to hear this because it is of the utmost importance that we grasp what is being said here. Dr. Mays once said, the tragedy of life doesn't lie in not reaching your goal. The tragedy lies in having no goal to reach. <laughs> it isn't a calamity to die with dreams unfulfilled, but it is a calamity not to dream. It is not a disgrace not to reach the stars, but it is a disgrace to have no stars to reach for. My goodness, not failure, catch this, 
but low aim is sin. Not failure, but low aim is sin. And when I read this, it transformed how I viewed myself, my life, and my purpose. The reason it transformed and changed things for me is because I grew up being so afraid of failure. Can anyone identify with that? I grew up being so afraid of making a mistake. I grew up being so afraid of not doing the right thing. And I think it is because many of us are living underdeveloped spiritual lives. Catch this. I'm going to mess with you a little bit. I believe that many of us are living underdeveloped spiritual lives. And we live underdeveloped spiritual lives, not simply because we don't understand theology or have some deep spiritual revelation, because that's what we think, right? I'm living below my purpose because I don't have the, the right knowledge. I don't have the right spiritual understanding. I don't have the right revelation. But I believe, church, catch this, that we are underdeveloped because we do not understand who we are. I believe we're underdeveloped. Not because we don't have enough intellect, not because we don't have enough information and knowledge, not because we do not have enough spiritual revelation. I believe it is actually because we do not understand who we are. Yes, we need theology. Yes, we need revelation. Yes, we need deliverance. But we also need to understand ourselves. And, and I was talking to a group of people about this recently. And one of the things that I said to them is, I believe that we underestimate how much power is at the intersection of spiritual formation, vertical, and personal authenticity. That at the intersection of spiritual formation and personal authenticity, there is Holy Spirit power. In other words, I believe that there's Holy Spirit power at the intersection of us understanding who God is and what God has said about who we are. Are you hearing me, church? Not just who God is, but also what that God has said about who we are. Type in the comments, who am I? Type that question in the comments, who am I? And who gets to determine who I am? And this is the crux here, because many of us are allowing other people, other forces, other cultural pressures and influences to determine what we say about ourselves rather than going to the one who created us, who shaped us, who formed us, who fashioned us in our mother's womb before we were even thought of by people. God is the person who determines what I think about myself. God is the person who determines how I feel about myself. God is a person who determines my purpose. Are you hearing me today, church? God is the person who determines who I am. But many of us, that's not what we're falling into. We're either accepting things from other people simply because we believe that's what they will accept. We believe that's how they will accept us or what we feel like we should do to be successful. Or we are thinking that God has no concern about who we are, only what we believe. And what a shame it is to go through life and not know who you are. And, and the church often deals with the church often deals with this reality from this perspective. We think of discipleship as a discovery of intellect, not identity. 
<laughs> I told you I'm gonna mess with you today, okay? I believe this is gonna shift your paradigm, but stick with me here, okay? I'm taking this scripture, just stick with me. I believe that it is a, a overload of intellect and not a reinforcement or understanding of identity. So here's, here's an example of this. A lot of us are afraid to talk about what we believe because we say, I don't know enough to be able to talk about it. What's our greatest fear? Not that we would be inauthentic, but that we would not have enough information to respond to a question that someone has. So we don't even feel the permission to simply say, I don't know, because we judge our spiritual maturity, not by our identity, but by how much information we know. We judge it by information, not transformation. And this is why we are living inauthentic spiritual lives, because we judge our maturity simply by information. And then we think that any discovery of our own identity is a problem to God, or God says that's lesser on the totem pole. Don't worry about that. That's a very Western understanding, Western idea of how we think about our spiritual lives, just judging it by what we say or what we believe or, or these things. It, it's more than that, church. It's, it's about the lived embodiment of what Jesus has taught us. And so just because I am discovering myself and my personality and my gifts, just because you are discovering yourself and your purpose and your calling and what God has called you to do. And yes, the things God has not called you to do. That doesn't mean that you're conceited or arrogant or prideful. It is actually a function, a holy function of discipleship and discipline to self discover, to find out who you are and who God has called for you to be. And what a shame it would be church. And I'm not just talking to young people here, hear me. What a shame it would be, church, if you get to the end of your lives and you do not know who you are. You feel regret because you have tried to be someone or something else that you thought people would tolerate better. And I'm here to liberate you, to speak a word of freedom that God has given you a unique purpose. Type it in the comments, type this, I have a purpose. Four words, I have a purpose. It is a powerful reminder for us to confess that God has called us uniquely to do and be something that is unlike anyone else. And I wanna free you. I wanna free you to discover what that purpose is, to walk in it boldly and unashamedly. But here's what I'm gonna tell you, it's not a one size fits all. On Wednesday night, we're gonna talk about some of the elements of finding your purpose. We're gonna do some exercises and I'll be able to help walk you through this a little bit better, but it is not a one size fits all. I believe it actually many times arises in our hearts and in our souls and in what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. So today we're gonna to deal with some questions and we're gonna deal with some questions in Exodus 4 from the life of Moses. If there is someone who deals with the intersection of spiritual formation and personal authenticity, someone who dealt with the Holy Spirit power and the uncovering and the discovery of who he was, it was definitely Moses. And Moses is a person who I believe in his encounters with God, in his radical call at the burning bush in Midian in Exodus 3 and 4, I believe that we see some examples of the questions we have to ask ourselves if we are truly going to walk in what God has called for us to walk in. Are you still with me? 
let's get to these four questions. We're going to start actually in Exodus chapter 2. And the first question we have to ask ourselves, write this down, is do you know your own story? Do I know my own story? Write this down because I believe it is so important for us as we discover and rediscover and reconfirm our purpose to remember what we've been through with the right perspective. And here's the interesting thing, because Moses has a conversation with God in Exodus 4. And as you'll see in the following questions, Moses has a conversation that is filled with doubt. It is filled with anxiety. It is filled with insecurity. It is filled with unworthiness. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Have you ever looked at your life and said, how can God use me considering my past, considering what I've been through, considering all the things that I've done? And Moses is understanding this from Exodus 2. And in Exodus 2, the second half of the chapter, here's what we see. We see that Moses, in this bout of cultural confusion and frustration, sees an Egyptian soldier beating a Hebrew slave. And Moses knows, intrinsically or explicitly, that he is in between two cultures, in between two worlds. And Moses tries to get the Egyptian soldier to stop, and in this bout of rage, he ends up killing the soldier. And then because Pharaoh is going to kill him, he flees to Midian, a place far away, the wilderness where he can hide away from the Egyptian soldiers and the Egyptian regime. And so Moses is thinking of himself from the second half of chapter 2, the context of which you would probably think is a context of failure, right? But here's the problem. That's not all that happened in Exodus chapter 2. Because in the first 10 verses, Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10, we see the powerful hand of God upon Moses' life before he could even comprehend. And as a child, while his mother was trying to evade and get away from the Egyptian genocide that Pharaoh had decreed for all of the male children, what do we see? We see Moses is providentially kept and he is using the ingenuity of his mother and the ingenuity of his mother gets him into Pharaoh's house and preserves his life and, and strategically places him as an influencer in the Egyptian house, even as a Hebrew. And so Moses is looking at the second half of Exodus chapter 2. But why doesn't Moses see the hand of God in the first half of Exodus chapter 2? And here's what I want to get to. When we think about telling our own story, church, many of us are choosing to remember the moments of failure, not the moments of forming. Many of us are choosing to remember the moments where it looks as though we didn't do the right thing. And so as a result of that, we could never be used by God or the purpose of God must be muted or, or it must be limited in our lives. Because why would God use someone who did this or participated in that or did that when we don't see the fact that God's hand has been on our lives from before we were even formed in our mother's wombs. God was thinking about where we would be and what we would do and who we would be around and what we would participate in. And many of us, we look down upon our story. So when I ask the question, do you know your own story? I'm not talking about the details of what happened, what you did or didn't do or how you failed. That's what shame says. Shame puts you down and says, that's who you are. It says, that's what you're going to be for the rest of your life. That is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. That is your purpose. You're simply a failure. You're simply low down. You're simply this. You're simply that. But what God wants us to do, church, God desires for us to tell a better story, not just about the world, but about ourselves in the world. 
God desires us to reframe how we think about the things that we have been through. And that's key for our purpose because we have to understand that many of us are not walking in all that God has called for us to do because we're remembering failures, not formations. We're remembering the fact that we didn't do the right thing. Not that God preserved us and gave us grace and mercy even when we didn't do the right thing. Am I talking to somebody here? Maybe it's just me. I think people need to hear and I think you need to hear and I know I need to hear that each of us is not the worst thing that we've ever done. We are not our failures. We are not our our incompetencies or our insufficiencies. We are not the things that we did that one time. We are not the things that we didn't do that one time. And here's what Moses, if he was looking at the whole board, he would have seen that God preserved me at each turn of my life, that God kept me from being convicted, that God kept me from being captured, that God kept me from being killed, that God kept me even when I was in the enemy's house. And I think sometimes you need to reframe the story that you're telling yourself. You need to reframe the story of your purpose so that you remember that God has had his hand on you from before the foundation of even when you were thought of. And I'm here to tell you, church, I'm here to tell you that many of us are not walking in our purpose because we are highlighting our failures. Moses could have approached the story from two different ways. Moses could have easily said, I killed someone. Moses could have easily said, I did something wrong. I did something that was unforgivable. But isn't it something if Moses had flipped it and said, even in the midst of my failures, I know God hasn't left me. Even in the midst of my, of my moments where I did the wrong thing, God has not forgotten about me. Even in the midst of my moments of frustration and anguish and anger and hatred, that God still loves me. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to frame your story properly in order to walk in your purpose fully, you need to hear that God still loves you, that God still desires you to walk in your purpose. And Moses forgot this because he lived his life thinking that he was the sum total of all his failures. The devil is a liar, church. You are not the sum total of all your failures. No, rather, you are everything that God has called you to be. And just because your past seems as though it is insufficient for people, it doesn't mean that it's insufficient for God. Do you know your own story? That's the first question we have to ask ourselves. And not just that, but look at the text as it continues on in Exodus chapter 4. And in Exodus chapter 4, here's what we see. Moses answers and says, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. What happened in Exodus chapter three? Well, Exodus chapter three, we see that God tells Moses to go and deliver my people. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses answers, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. Here's the second question I want you to ask yourself. Write this down. Who do I believe has value? Who do I believe has value? In other words, church, what system do you evaluate yourself by? How do you judge who has value in the world? How do you judge who has value in the kingdom of God? And this is so important because this gets into this intersection of spiritual formation and personal authenticity, because many of us are judging value by the wrong framework. Notice here, read the text with the emphasis. 
Notice what Moses says. He says, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Moses is placing emphasis on himself as the sum total of who God can be used or who God can use because he is saying God would not see value in someone like me. People will not see value in someone like me. And I'm here to tell you, church, that it is so tempting to look down upon yourself. And so here, church, Moses looks down upon himself and he says, I have no value. And he says, I have no value, not according to God's economy, but according to the system that he was most familiar with. And here's what I want you to understand, church. I want you to understand that there are systems of this world that teach us implicitly and explicitly who has the most value, who should be seen as most valuable, who should be seen as most worthy, who God can use. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is in our minds, who do we believe has value? Because if we're living by different systems, then we'll start to think that certain people have value and we do not. And notice for Moses, this was true. We know this is true because Moses was living in the Egyptian hierarchical system. Moses was living in Pharaoh's house and Moses was used to a royal decree. And when royal decrees come down, the people or the slaves or whoever is in the land, they don't have a choice who they believe. They don't have a choice whether or not they listen to the royal decree. You listen because you have to. And Moses is saying, when people don't have to listen to me, when people are not forced to listen to me, they will not value me. When people are not forced to hear my voice, they will not value what I have to say. Moses intrinsically believes in his heart that God can only use certain people that society has valued. And let me tell you something, church, I want you to hear this. Value comes from heaven, not from humans. <laughs> value comes from heaven, not from humans. Just because people have said you are not valuable according to the systems of this world does not mean that God throws out your purpose and the plan that he has for your life in order to elevate people that society deems to be successful. And you need to hear this church because many of us truly do believe that God will only use the most capable, most qualified, most talented, and so we will shrink back from the purpose that we know God has called us to do. And you can hear God for yourself, so you probably know what that already is. But we shrink back from that purpose. We shrink back from that call. We shrink back from that inkling. We shrink back from that inclination. Why? Because we say, the people won't value me as such. They won't, they won't follow me. They won't acknowledge this gift because society only values certain people. And God is here to break that mindset up, to bust up that deception in our hearts and remind us that God will use the people whom society says have no business being valued, have no business being leaders, have no business receiving the blessing, have no business walking in purpose, have no business doing the things that they are doing. And if you feel like society doesn't value you, if you feel like society has counted you out, 
if you feel like people in the church have counted you out or people in the kingdom of God have said you're not worthy, you are in good company. Just ask David and Esther and Ruth and Rahab and Hagar and all these people that society would have said they have no business being in the place that they're in. They have no business being influential. They have no business being used by God. But aren't you glad that value doesn't come from people? Aren't you glad that value doesn't come from your neighbor? Aren't you glad that value doesn't come from the people in power in society? Aren't you glad that value doesn't come from the privilege? That value doesn't come from the people who set up systems to keep other people out and prop their friends and them up? Aren't you glad that God doesn't judge by those standards? Church, aren't you glad that value doesn't come from people? Aren't you glad that value doesn't come from who society says should be propped up? Aren't you glad that value doesn't come from the powerful or the privileged or those in society who have set up systems to benefit themselves? Aren't you glad that value only comes from who God says is valuable, who God says he wants to use, who God says has been called, who God says is worthy? And this is the question. This is why we're asking the question, who has value? Who do I believe has value in God's kingdom? Because if I believe that God has value, God gives value to different people than who society gives value to. It will shape the way that I walk. It will shape the way that I believe, what I believe about my purpose. And so after Moses has this moment where he doubts whether or not people will place value upon his voice, and so he wants to run away from his purpose and what God has called for him to do. God gives him specific signs and wonders. And I love this about God because sometimes we feel as though we don't have enough proof in and of ourselves to prove that we belong at these tables or to prove that we belong in the place where we're walking out our purpose. But so powerfully, God has already given signs and wonders and things for Moses to be able to show that are proofs, that are examples of the fact that God has called him to this moment. And sometimes we shrink back because we don't experience, we don't see the fact and believe the fact that God is going to give us what we need even before we're walking in our purpose. That's a word for somebody. Some of you are waiting for God to actually provide the things that you need in confidence to be able to walk in your purpose, the things that will prove the value to other people. And God has already done it. You just need to go ahead and move. God will reveal what he's provided. You just need to go ahead and move and walk and operate in your purpose and what God has called you to do in obedience. But after all this, Moses brings up another objection. It gets us to another question. Look at verse 10 and 11. Moses says to the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And the question that we have to ask ourselves after we talk about story and after we talk about value, the third question is, are you honest about what you can do? Are you honest about what you can do? And so here Moses is honest with God. If you're going to tell me to go and say something to Pharaoh, I can't speak. I'm not good enough as a speaker. I'm not good enough as a communicator. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't operate in this way. I don't have this capacity. I don't have these gifts. I don't have this power. I don't have this pedigree. I don't have these qualifications. I don't have this understanding. Have you ever had that conversation with God? Is it just me who's had that conversation with God? Have you ever had the conversation with God telling God about all the things you can't do? 
And listen, here's, I know it seems like it's disrespectful for Moses to say this to God. And so many preachers have talked about the fact that Moses shouldn't ever say this, or she, he shouldn't talk about this, or he shouldn't have been honest with God in this way. But I believe that here that church, Moses gets a bad rap. I believe that Moses is looked down upon when he does the exact thing that each of us needs to do when we are called to something that scares us. Moses was honest with God about what he could do. And you have to be honest with God about what you can do. And here's the interesting thing that God responds to Moses, but does not respond in anger yet. God doesn't respond in anger yet. Look at verses 11 through 12. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And it's so powerful here because Moses was honest with God and Moses's admission led to a correction. Moses's admission was the gateway into God telling him and expanding his perspective of what God was capable of using him to do. And so let me say something here, church, and I know it's probably gonna mess with you, but let me say something. Many of us are not walking in the purpose God has called for us to walk in because we refuse to be honest about our limitations. <laughs> we refuse to be honest about what we cannot do. We refuse to be honest about the fact that we can't do everything or there are some things that we're limited in capacity for. And I believe that God wants to challenge us today to be honest. Moses's admission led to God's correction. Moses was able to walk in what God had called him to walk in only after he was honest. And so here's what we see. We see that when we're honest, God doesn't punish us. God gives us perspective. <laughs> God doesn't punish us for our honesty, but God gives perspective to our honesty. And so as you're thinking about your purpose and you're saying, there's no way I could be called to be this because I can't do that. Be honest about that with God, because what you don't realize is that God will develop you, God will walk with you, God will be with you, God will teach you, God will tell you what to say, God will show you what to do, God will empower you, God will strengthen you, God will train you, God will help you. Is anybody hearing me? God will equip you with everything that you need to walk in your purpose. But before you can get to that point, you need to be honest and not fake and not say, oh God, I got it all together, when you know deep down you don't. And God knows deep down you don't. God didn't punish Moses here. God simply said, I'll be with you and I'll teach you. And isn't it awesome in the fact that God can teach us what we need, God can equip us with what we need for our purpose, for our calling, to walk in everything God has called for us to do? So are you honest, church? Are you honest about what you can and can't do? Do you feel like that's an admission of weakness if you're honest? Do you feel like that's revealing something? Do you feel like somebody's gonna prey upon your insecurities if you're honest and say, I can't do that well yet? No, know the truth and understand that the truth is going to set you free. And here, Moses gets a bad rap, but it was Moses's admission that led to God's correction and Moses needed to hear, I'll be with you and I'll teach you what to speak. That's what Moses needed to hear, church. And some of us aren't able to walk in everything God called us to do 
because we're not having honest conversations with God. We feel like that's offensive. We've been taught that that's disrespectful. We've been said you don't say anything like that to God. And some of us need to get real in our relationship. We need to get messy in our relationship with God because God can handle the mess. God can handle the pain. God can handle the honesty. And so are you honest with God today, church? Some, maybe the only thing that you need to do when it comes to your purpose and your calling and confirming it is scheduling a time and setting aside a time without any distraction where you can be honest with God and say, I'm scared, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I feel like it's passed me by, I'm too old, I'm too young. And when we're honest, God doesn't punish us, but God gives us perspective. And when we're honest, God will actually use our honesty. He won't pray upon it like other people will. But he'll say, now that you know the power can't come from you, I will be able to use you even more powerfully than I would have before. And this is what Moses came into, but Moses didn't catch the hit. Moses, the story continues on. Moses messes up and Moses makes a huge mistake that leads to the anger of God being kindled. Notice what it is. He says in verse 13, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Verse 14 says, then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And it's so interesting because in this moment, this is the first time God is angry with Moses. God is frustrated with Moses. And so here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Do you believe God can use you? Do I believe God can use me? God's anger was not kindled against Moses until Moses started giving God instructions. Moses told God what God should do and then God got mad. See, this is gonna mess with you. Some of us need to realize that the reason we're kindling the anger and wrath of God, it is not because of us being honest about our limitations, but us instructing God with what God should do. Who are we to tell God what God should do? It wasn't the admission that got God angry. It was the instruction that made God angry. God, you can't use me. You're going to have to find someone else. And God says, hang on now. Who are you to tell me who I can, can and can't use? Who are you to tell me who I can and can empower? Who are you to tell me who I can and can equip? And some of us are instructing God out of our own purpose, out of our own power. And all we have to do is be equipped. All we have to do is say, God, I'm here. I'm available. I'm ready to be used. I don't know how it's going to happen. I need your power. I need your presence. But God, I believe that you can use someone like me. And Moses didn't believe it yet. Moses had to see it with his own eyes. Moses had to experience it with his own senses. And some of us, that's what we have to do. But I'm here to challenge you, church. Do you truly believe God can use someone like you? And over years of trying to walk in my purpose and stumbling and going forwards and backwards, it's not linear. It's sometimes a rocky journey of, of peaks and valleys. 
But here's what I've understood. I, I've had to come to this realization that I look throughout the scriptures and I see that God uses people who are unlikely. God uses people who don't have everything together. God uses people who may not have all the qualifications and credentials. God uses people. And I've had to come to the realization that God can use me. Type it in the comments. Say, God can use me. God can use you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. It doesn't matter what people said about you. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made, how much of a failure you feel that you are. God can use you. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who's watching. You might be have tuned in for the first time. You might have come here by accident. I don't know. I just want to encourage you. God can use you. God can shape and mold you and empower you and transform you to walk in your purpose and to be bold and to be unashamed and not to be afraid. So church, you've got to accept it. You have got to accept the fact that God is calling you. Think about Moses in this back and forth with God. And it was good that he was honest, but at some point you have to receive the fact that God didn't make a mistake, that God didn't cross over someone else or pass over someone else who would have made him look better. But God chose you. God can use someone just like you. And so church, as we think about our purpose, there are going to be things that we're going to talk about this Wednesday that will kind of unpack how this looks in practicality, that unpack what we can do practically to find that purpose. But church, we're going to keep coming back to this because the mentality is key. The mentality is important. Do you truly believe that God can take someone like you and use you for God's glory? If you don't, today is a day to reaffirm and, and state that belief and make it explicit and say, God, I truly believe maybe for the first time that you can use me. Will you lift your hands right now, wherever you are, lift up your hands. And I'm going to pray a prayer of strength and confidence and boldness over your life. And I'm going to pray that God is able to uncover and unlock what the purpose is on the inside of you, what the calling is on the inside of you, where the power is on the inside of you. And I believe that God is going to do it. Father, right now, I stretch my hands toward the camera, knowing that there's no power in my hands. But God, we need you to move. And I stretch my hands toward the camera and I ask God that your Holy Spirit would come and invade homes and invade hearts and encourage the people of God to walk in everything you have called for them to be. God, help us to tell the right story. Help us to tell a better story about what we've been through and what we've overcome. God, help us to understand that you value some of the people that society does not value. God, help us to be honest about what we can and can't do. And God, help us to believe that you can truly use us in spite of what we've been through, in spite of who we are, in spite of the things that we struggle with that nobody else knows about. God, you see all and you know all. And so if you called us, there's a reason why you've called us. So Father, right now, I pray for every single person from the youngest to the oldest, from the most likely to the least likely, would you use us for your glory, God? Would you establish our purpose? Would you lock in the thing that you have called for us to do? And may we walk in it boldly and unashamedly and without fear because you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you. I hope these questions give you something to think about as you're uncovering and recovering and reconfirming your purpose. 
We're going to see you on Wednesday because we're going to talk about some more things that I believe are so, so important as we uncover this very crucial topic of purpose. Church, I hope you are able to walk in everything that God has called for you to walk in. Well, church, I hope that that word and worship blessed you. I hope it challenged you. I hope the seeds of the gospel were sown deep in the soil of your soul so that you can bear much fruit. We don't just believe in making decisions. We truly believe in making transformation and discipleship. So if you made a decision for Christ today, I hope and desire that you would reach out to us, that you would type home in the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. We genuinely want to reach out and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you on this spiritual journey. And when it comes to salvation, I just want to make this clear that it is just a prayer away. That the Bible says that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And salvation is the most important decision you can make, the decision to follow after Jesus. It's not just a momentary statement. It is a lifelong commitment. It is a heart transformation. And so if that's you and you desire a heart transformation, it is as simple as lifting up your hands and saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've gone against your way. God, I desire to follow after you for all of my days. I desire to lift up Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and I know that Jesus will change my life forever. It's as simple as that. You don't have to use my words. There's no power in my words. The power is in the confession and in the belief. And if you prayed that prayer, again, type home in the comments. We would absolutely love to talk with you and walk with you along this next stage of your spiritual journey. Thank you again for tuning in. If you did not have the chance to give, I want you to click the app uh, link or the giving link up in the description or in the pinned comment, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. That'll take you directly to places where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift if you want to sow into the kingdom. There's no compulsion. We're not trying to scheme to get money out of you. That's not our desire at all, at all. We just believe in giving and in generosity because it reflects the heart of the kingdom of God and also so that ministry can be done, true ministry can be done as well. Well, church, I hope to see you next week here at the NDCC Online Worship Experience. Same time, same place, we are going to be here and I know that God is going to meet you. I pray that God stays with you, that it's not just here on a Sunday morning, but I pray that God stays with you throughout the week. I speak blessings upon you, the power and the peace of God upon you as you go into real life now. Go and apply and do what God has taught you today. Well, this is Pastor Tyler and on behalf of our entire team. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Be blessed.